This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're here till Friday, going 10 to midnight, the rest of the week end for the guys. So I'm excited to talk to you. We'll get into the baseball, keep you posted on the Yankees. I, 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 I guess it's karma because, you know, randomly jokes will pop into my head. Met fans get it all mad at me because they're so damn sensitive. It's it's all fun and games. We play. We have fun. Yankee fans, Met fans going at each other. So it was karma because I, I was prepared to come on the show as the Mets were in the midst of blowing another lead because they gave up five runs in the top of the seventh inning to the White Sox. They were up, what, 11-7? I was prepared to come on here and, and, and playfully say every time I watch the Mets, uh, you know, makes me feel better about being a Yankee fan because at least we're not that bad. Mets, of course, winning right now 11-9 in the bottom of the seventh inning. Yankees losing. Uh, so we'll get into the baseball as we progress through the show and, you know, touch on some basketball. The Joel Embiid rumors are swirling right now. Getting Nick fans excited. I actually heard a caller uh, into Larry's show say he's not interested in, in, in Embiid. Injury prone, going to be 29 so that that to me was fascinating. We'll get into that. But of course, got to start with the football. Jets, you know, hard knocks. That is going to start to take shape this week. I was resistant to it at first, but now I'm kind of getting excited for it. So we'll we'll touch on that. But let's start with the Giants because of the Saquon news yesterday and you know all of the ramifications. Uh I I feel like this is the First real dose of adversity for the reigning NFL coach of the year, Brian Dayball. So I'm excited to watch him navigate through this. Last year, come into a rebuild situation, all was gravy. Now they, you know, exceeded expectations, get to the playoffs, win a game, got smoked by the Eagles in the second round. But now is when you really start to have that pressure mount because there's an elevated level of expectations. And when your best player decides that, you know, might not show up to camp, might not show up for the season. That is what you would call adversity. So I'm excited to see how Dable is going to withstand this. But on the actual contract situation, I mean, it's simple. There was really only one scenario where the Giants were going to bend and pay Saquon. If going into next season, you felt like you could win a Super Bowl, then you 1,000% pay Saquon. Because coming off of a career year where he goes for 1650 total yards between rushing and receiving, 10 touchdowns, I mean, he's a game changer. We know that. Best player on the team. You capitalize on him being at his apex while you're in your quote-unquote title window. You go all in because, you know, the back end of the deal doesn't concern you. It's meaningless because, you know, you win the title. Who cares? But, of course, no one thinks the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl next year. They have no chance of doing that. And it's year two of a rebuild that has Shane and Dable trying to clean up the, the mistakes made by their predecessors. So you can't engage in that, you know, inexcusable mistake of overpaying and committing long-term to a player 
that very well could have his best days behind him. I, I just mentioned he's coming off a career year, but with these running backs, I do like the analogy of it's like relief pitchers in baseball. Have They have a shelf life. They can be, you know, on the top of the mountain one year, then they just experience that precipitous drop-off, and they're never the same. And with Saquon and the injury history, that has to at least be on the table as far as the trepidation, you know, paying him and, and seeing what his career is going to be going forward. Now, I'm not anticipating he's done it, it, it hard to with an athlete, uh, you know, uh, of his caliber, but it's at least on the table. So you don't commit long-term to a guy that is in that ballpark, you know, and, and a position that pretty much the entire league is telling you, at least from the star power perspective, has become massively overrated and overvalued. And I'm in my car earlier listening to Barton Heim, which you can hear every day on this station from 12 to 3. Anita's filling in for Alan Hahn this week. And the caller made the point, you don't need a marquee running back to win it all. And I was shocked to hear Bart Scott disagree. Shocked to hear Bart. And I love Bart. You know, he's a, a fellow brother on the station. We need, need more of those. And this is a guy whose football acumen I trust. Actually went back the other day and rewatched the Can't Wait uh, interview he did with Sal Powell just to get me excited for the Jets season. But I, I was so shocked to hear him disagree with the caller who I, I thought made the, the only point, uh, which was you cannot – Go all in on a running back because we're seeing in this day and age of football, you don't need one, a marquee one, one of the best in football to win a championship. Him, Bart disagreeing with that was so shocking to me. And then he countered with the history that you don't always need a great quarterback. And he goes back to Trent Dilfer in 2000. So I was just perplexed. My question immediately, and I threw this on Twitter last night at Ty D. Butler, was when was the last time a team was led by a running back en route to winning a Super Bowl? Because I just five months ago watched the Chiefs win with a seventh rounder as their primary back in Pacheco. We know they invested at high Draft capital in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he had a fumbling problem. Andy Reid, you know, yanked him and said, Pacheco, here you go. Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Go back to 2022, Cam Akers. Second round pick for the Rams, who won the title. 2021 was a little bit of an outlier with Leonard Fournette. He's, he's obviously a, a you know first-round pick, number four overall, but that's the Brady effect, right? Like, how far was that team going without Tom? How far has Leonard Fournette gone without Tom Brady? And then you go back to 2020 during the pandemic year, the Chiefs again who won. Damian Williams was their lead rusher in that game, undrafted free agent, went to Miami in 2014. So history is showing us, at least recent history, is, is providing us evidence that you really don't need to invest high draft capital in highly coveted running backs coming out of college. On the contrary, just to go back to the Trent Dilfer point that Bart made, I mean, to me, the proof is in the example that you provide. You got to go back 23 years to find someone who wasn't a great quarterback 
to prove that you don't need you know all time great quarterbacks to win. Uh, to me, when you do that, it, it is an admission that you actually agree with what the caller made. Because we go back to Dilfer in that 2000 Super Bowl. You know, Giant fans will remember 12 of 25, a buck 53 through the air, one touchdown. You think that stat line's winning you a title these days? No. You look at how it happens, Mahomes twice, Brady twice, Stafford. Those are the guys who won recently. And, you know, as a Jet fan, the reason why I have, you know, my fears going into the season, despite how good I think this team can be, is the landscape of the AFC. And we keep talking about how good this AFC is. And who do we bring up and why do we talk about them? The Chiefs. Oh, yeah, that's right, Mahomes. The Bengals, yeah, Joe Burrow. The Bills, Josh Allen. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. The Chargers, Justin Herbert. We'll see what happens with the Broncos because of Russell Wilson. Miami, if he can stay healthy, Tua. Cleveland, Deshaun Watson. You go up and down the list. The reason why we're talking about all of these teams is because of who they employ at quarterback, not the running back. So, you know, with all due respect to the, you know, NFL lifers and old-timers who long for the good old days, just like the, the folks in basketball who hate that the three-point shot has become so prominent, give me, you know, back-to-the-basket post-up centers, like the 70s and 80s, right? Like, it, it's a quarterback league, and if you don't have one of the best, you're drawing dead. We don't say that about the running back. We say it about the quarterback. And we, we've heard ad nauseum, right? Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. Didn't get a long-term contract. Dalvin Cook had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. 44 touchdowns in those four years. Didn't get the long-term contract. Not only that, he just got flat-out released by a, a, a perennial playoff team. Zeke at one point, best player on the Cowboys. Got the extension. You know, the Cowboys regret it. They released him. And now Saquon, the Giants' best player, it doesn't get the long-term contract. So the NFL is not discriminating. And you see the, the players coming out on social media trying to defend the you know sanctity of the position and how it's becoming so flagrantly disrespectful what's happened to, you know, to this position. I understand the frustration, and I see why you're coming out to bat for your fellow colleagues. I get it. But the league is telling you that high-volume backs just aren't necessary. Look at the trends. And if you're a Giants organization that is trying to build this thing the right way and and do so in a responsible fashion, you cannot... Let your emotions get in the way of you constructing good business. That good business is, for better or for worse, paying Daniel Jones. Because, I mean, he proved last year that he could take you to the playoffs and win a playoff game. And if I'm trying to build my team, I need the quarterback to be established. And I trust that my head coach, who's also an offensive genius, can continue to help this guy elevate his game. So that's good decision-making. And, you know, to put the icing on the cake, excellent job by Shane being able to get out of this contract in two years in case it doesn't work out. It's not going to, you know, hamstring you.
not good business is paying Saquon. Love his attitude, love his character, great locker room presence. He is a monster on the field when he's healthy. Could be argued as the best running back in football. Gives you some production out of the backfield as a receiver. He can line up and presents a mismatch for essentially every single defense. Comes with a smile on his face. The the fans love him. The whole nine, you know, just represents the organization the best way possible. I'm sorry, all of that doesn't add up to, in 2023, investing long-term in him because history has shown you it does not age well, and recent history is telling you that your quarterback is the most valued position, the running back. We can essentially replace you with second-string guys. We can go into the draft in third round and the fourth round and find them. We can go find undrafted free agents who were drafted you know, a decade ago to replace you. It's just not smart business to invest long-term in a running back. Giants made the right move. This was clearly the way they had to go. Saquon's not going to miss the entirety of next season, so you don't have to worry about that. But Jordan Renan said something very interesting that we do have to dive into uh, just about the future uh, of this relationship. So I think that is a concern. But at least right now, going into next season, if you're a Giants fan, you got to feel great about how your team has handled this situation. 800-919-3776, taking your phone calls on this and more. Glaber Torres, welcome to the party. Two-run shot ties the game for the Yankees in the second inning. In Anaheim. Um, <laughs> going to be hard to convince people that you are worthy of being a playoff team if you can't beat the Angels. So we'll see what happens there. We'll talk basketball. A whole lot to do. whole lot to get into. Ty Butler filling in for Larry and Gordon. Going until midnight. Feeling pretty good. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Problem is they've given up nine, so we'll see if they could close the door. It doesn't matter. They're cooked anyway. But, you know, we can still have some fun with the Mets. Uh, I guess it is, it's a good thing Saquon gave us some news. Good thing Hard Knocks is gracing the the, the scene, the, the stage at uh, one Jets drive because it gives us football earlier than we would have anticipated or would have expected in previous seasons. Could you imagine the Yankees and the Mets both being done by middle of July and— not that the Yankees are done. They they can still get to the playoffs. But both of these teams, like, not having much to be excited about. And then the Jets and Giants of years past where they're three, four-win teams. Uh, that would have been a disaster. 800-919-3776. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's get it popping with Tommy in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? TDB. What's up, bud? Yeah, what's good, man? Talk to me nice. So you let off the show with uh, talking about Dayball and how he might you know, approach things, like, you know, with a, a Barkley-less lineup. Um, and I just was thinking about when he was the OC up in Buffalo, I mean, can you even remember who their starting running back was? Yeah, they didn't really. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it was, I think his last name, I think it was Singletary. Yeah, so, De- uh, Devin Singletary. Yeah, they drafted him. They act, Yeah, they invested a high draft pick in him, Devin Singletary. Didn't really I'm hear pretty, much from him. I'm pretty sure Josh Allen had more rushing yards than him. So I, I'm kind of looking at the. I was looking at the roster before I got on the line with you. And if you look at what the what the Giants have done, you know, obviously you got some guys coming back from injury. You know, Wondell Robinson, Sterling Shepard. They drafted that kid Hyatt. Um, 
they signed that dude, uh, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, year, yep. I heard was taking some reps in the backfield as as a running back. So I think they're just kind of going to go like volume shooting with, you know, short passes, you know, extended handoffs. And, and I, th- I think that's the route they're going to go. You know, you still got Brita. You still got Brightwell. Um, so I, I, th- I think Dayball will be fine. I think that that that's kind of his M.O., you know, is not to have that bell cow running back. No, I hear you, Tommy, and I appreciate the call. I'm not just talking about how you get the production because the Giants do have an improved wide receiver core. Uh, as you mentioned, Hyatt is supposed to be a, a speedster, so he's going to give them that capability over the top. Uh, you bring in Darren Waller, who's probably your best receiving you know, option at, at, at tight end. And, you know, coming back from injury with Robinson and Shepard when he gets back. So, yes, you have an improved wide receiver core. I'm talking about when your best player is unhappy and it is pretty clear in the locker room, like it's overt. And I'm not saying he's going to be a cancer or anything. But everyone has seen this situation unfold publicly. So when this is... You know, the conversation every single week, assuming that they, they're not able to diffuse it before the start of the season. That's what I'm talking about. Like, how do you deal with something like this being a little bit of a distraction the entirety of the year when he is clearly your best player? This is not just some, you know, random dude we're talking about. This this guy is the engine. So I don't doubt that because I just outlined all, all of the, the winning teams have been able to uh, have success without a you know high-level name at, at running back. So I think overall in the future, they'll be able to get it done. I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, in the interim, uh, dealing with a guy who is, you know, this big of a name being unhappy. We go to Anthony in the mail truck. What's up, Anthony? Hi, yeah. what is going on, brother? What's going on, man? Good to hear from you. How you been, man? Everything good? I'm good, man. Can't complain. What's up? What's the word? Good. Big, big shout-out to the company. So, uh, uh, after last night's game um, with the Yankees, I I made a rage room in my mail truck today, and I took a lot of my anger out. Um, But last night was was really the the first time that I actually said, Boone's got to go. Now, isn't you know enough to to you know call for someone's job um but at the end of the day he's made more than one mistake but the biggest problem with the yankees tie is they financially they're not ready for a rebuild they just extended the gm and the head coach they just uh got anthony Rizzo on the post they got they got stanton for another three years they got dj for five years they got you know, Garrett Cole, who obviously isn't probable, he's, he is the greatest thing on this team right now with Judge being on the shelf. Um, you know, they got Seve for, I believe, a couple of years. Like, at times, there's just nothing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of patience, and I'm running out of words to talk about this team. So just try and talk us off the ledge tonight, brother. Anthony. I appreciate it, man. I don't like to hear you sound so defeated, bro. Like, usually... I, I get to to bring you on, and you've got energy. You know, there's an effervescence yeah, about you. You sound depleted. You sound like, you know, what's wrong? You you look like you just lost your best friend. Like you sound like you're going through it, my brother. I am. I am 
sick and tired of this team treating Mickey Moniak as Alex Rodriguez in 09 in the playoffs. I just you you can't and and his explanation for it after the game did not help his cause. No, it didn't at all. It didn't, and it came across to me as if he and I appreciate the call, Anthony. He's kind of losing it. I mean the the fear like. The best player in baseball at the plate with a chance to tie the game. Can walk him? No, can't do that because of Mickey Moniak. That just comes across as someone who's losing it and had an even worse quote today when he's he's comparing these gen. You know, we can go on a run. We can go on a run. Look at the 2022 Phillies. Look at the 2021 Yankees. Really, the 2022 Phillies, their run... You remember when their run started? Their run started after they fired their manager. So I don't think that's the comparison you want to go with. I don't I don't think that's something that lands the way you thought it would. The 2021 Yankees, oh, that team that got so hot in the second half of the season, got to the playoffs and didn't win a damn playoff game. Come on, Boone. You're losing me, brother. You're losing me. Let's go to Jersey. We talk to Mitch. What's up, Mitch? Hey. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. What's up, man? Um, I think Giants in charge. They didn't make a mistake. They, they don't sign these uh, running backs uh, long term. Is there something in the draft next year? Are we going to come to the day where it's just me five wide receivers and then you just hike the ball and throw? Wait, you said the Giants I are making a mistake? But I signed him long term. You think so? The I think he's a very. Uh, is there something in the draft, next year's draft? Uh, no, but I just – well, first of all, I mean, we don't know, and that's the point. We don't even have to know who the guy is. They just come in. Did we know who Isaiah Pacheco was last year when he was taken in the seventh round by the by the Chiefs? And he goes out there and he becomes their lead back and roots to winning a championship? Like, that's the point, Mitch. Like, we, we get so we, – we, we become so intrigued and fascinated by big names. We lose sight of – the trend that is developing in this in this league, and it's that the big time running back, it's it's not that it's becoming extinct. You can draft them, but once you're off their rookie deal, you don't re-sign them to big time money because that just puts you at a disadvantage in a, in a hard salary cap sport. There are there are some exceptions, and, and these are exceptional running backs. These are not uh, diamond nickel here. Is, is that the expression? And look how long uh, Frank Gore play. Yeah, but you're going back. Houston. Go ahead. All right. So yeah. c- give me another example. Uh, who played long? Uh, okay. I'm, uh, I guess I'm making your argument. Okay, I have to think, but I exactly. You got to go back years, man. And, and I appreciate the call, Mitch. You got to go back years. The league is changing. You are going to find teams that you know strike gold with their with their running back, Derrick Henry, for example. But the Titans, you know, just added Hopkins. They have to do it out of necessity because you're not getting a lot out of your quarterback. You you you're just not. Yeah. So it's when a team is is trying to to field a contender, you are not for the most part, given that big-time extension because it just doesn't make sense in this day and age. It's just not the way you, you build your team uh, unless you have, you know, Ryan Tannehill. And I, I made the point at the top of the show, if the Giants 
going into next season were a legitimate contender, could win a Super Bowl, then yes, I, I, I could make an excellent case that that was the move to make. Give them the big term contract, give them the big time contract. See what you can do in your window because he's clearly your best player. And you don't worry about it not aging well because if you win, who cares? But the Giants aren't in a situation where where they're a championship contender. 800-919-3776. Who continue to take your calls coming up on this topic and, and a whole lot more as we march toward midnight. Ty, end for Larry and Gordon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Matt Ty D. Butler. Every time I drive into the city and to work, I'm reminded of how dumb that you know congestion pricing situation is that is uh, approaching where you're going to be charging people up to $28 to get into the city. And it's something I've ranted about, it, uh, ranted about before, but I, every time I, I, I come into the city to work, I, I just get more and more annoyed. And, you know, with all due respect, these, they listen to the show. They got the show bumping in their, their, their cars, but the Uber drivers and taxi drivers, I mean, how the hell do they get licenses? Then you got them pulling up in front of hotels, just double parking right in the middle of the street, one-way street, throwing the hazards on, full family of seven with 17 suitcases holding up the traffic, cab drivers, reckless. You get The, the lights are not in sync. And you want to blame people like me driving into work for, for the reason why there's a lot of traffic. You got trucks, you know, double parked all over the place. That That's what's going on. So, so they're, so they're going to do that. And you know it's a money grab. You know they're scamming us, you know, trying to get that, that money that they, they lost during the pandemic. And since the, the hybrid situation is still going on with people aren't commuting into work every day trying to capitalize on that then you know labor day they're gonna hit you with the the increased fares so it's just a a scheme going on and i just get agitated every time i drive into the city because it's it's annoying in the name of trying to clean up traffic you make me sick by the way met fans leaving city field right now have to be excited because you just beat the White Sox, and it is a fabulous 11-10 to 10 win. David Robertson tried to blow it in the end. Tim Anderson came up and, and popped out to center field. So the Mets in a game where there were 21 runs scored, 22 hits, found a way to eke out a victory. And you got to love being just seven games under 500, a 500 team at home. And when you look at the standings, particularly the wild card standings, because you've got no chance of winning the division, only eight and a half games back of a wild card spot. Got to jump one, two, three, four, five teams to get into the wild card, but there's still a chance, I guess. So shout out to the Met fans leaving City Field. 800-919-3776. We head to the boogie down. To the Bronx. We holla at my man Buddha. What up, Buddha? What's going on, my bro? How you doing? Yo, just just out here trying to live up to the franchise. Uh, title that was was bestowed upon me, but other than that, well, I'm it's chilling. Accurate. It's definitely accurate. You are the franchise, but uh, I got a little bone to pick with you before I get into that Saquon thing. I'm shocked <laughs> that you have a bone to pick with me. It's usually not up your alley. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, listen. The other day we were talking about Rob Salah 
and, uh, you know, I brought up some things that were undeniable. You said my points were salient. Then your man comes on, what's his name, Jake Aspen comes on, he said his head was about to blow off when I made that comparison between how Salah is not much better than Gase. Oh, because I, t- I told you that right off the rip, though, that that, that was off-based. But, I mean, listen, like I said in, in, in the tweet when you guys went, I mean, math is math. <laughs> you know, uh, Salah is 11-23, and 23, and Gase is 9-23, and 23, and Salah's had two more games each year. So, you know... I like Rob Sala. He's a nice guy, cool guy and all that. But when I look at him and then I look at a guy like Nick Sirianni down there in Philadelphia who's an absolute jerk, who do you think I would want coaching my football team more? Him uh, or Sirianni? Well, listen, let's give him a now, – now Sala has a quarterback. Jalen Hurts, who Sirianni helped develop. I mean, they've got weapons galore out there in Philly. That, that was a more talented team than the Jets had. But – uh, you're going to get the, the answer you're looking for because, as I mentioned, what was that, Saturday, Like this is like the Sam Darnold thing with Robert Sala, right? Like, you still don't know what he is because it hasn't gotten a fair shake. He's got a fair shake now. He's got a top-five defense. He's got a Hall of Fame quarterback, a ton of expectation. Uh, expectation. So one way or another, we're going to learn a lot about him, and, and I'm hoping that we learn a lot in a positive way uh, as opposed to, you know, end of the year, Black Monday, Another jet coach as a casualty. I'm hoping we don't go down that route. But we're gonna learn. We're gonna learn. We're gonna learn this year. I'm hoping we don't too. But the key word you said was Sirianni developed. Yep. You know, very powerful word right there, my brother. All right, listen. With the Saquon Barkley situation, listen. I, I hear you. I hear a lot of guys, and I feel like y'all all are talking about what's right in front of you, but not what's behind what's right in front of you. You know, obviously. Barkley is the best player on the team. You know, everybody's accurate with, with, with that assessment. But, you know, when you refer to what Bart Scott was saying, and you were 100% right about that. Like, in these days and times, the way the rules are, the way the game is played, you're not going to win any Super Bowl if your running back is your best player. You're going to win because your quarterback is your best player. And your quarterback is not only is he good, he's dynamic, and he can win in two-minute drills and in, you know, crucial situations. So, if the Giants brass, Shane and Dable, had real confidence in Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley wouldn't even be on the team anymore. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. They would sure. not have franchised him, bro. They sure. would not have franchised him. if They wouldn't even have offered him any deal. I don't know if, if you do that. The Vikings did with Dalvin Cook. They wouldn't have offered him anything. They would have tried to see if they could trade him. And if they couldn't get a trade... They would have moved on. The only reason why Saquon Barkley is a factor, and I'm not saying this like to discredit him because I, I feel like I feel for him and I feel for all these guys that are being you know marginalized and all this other stuff. But they know they want. See, they're caught in, in the Giants are in, in that sort of place, a little different situation, but similar to like the Yankees. We know we're not winning nothing. You understand what I'm saying? But we gotta like as a coach, I gotta get as many wins as I could get under my belt to sell my program to the team, you know what I'm saying, to the mm-hmm. players on the team. So they really want to turn the team over to Daniel Jones, but they got that butterfly in their stomach. You know what I'm talking about? A little bubble yeah, guy. I mean, listen, to your point, they could get out of the, the, of the Jones contract after two years, so exactly. they've protected that was themselves. No accident. And I actually that was said, no I actually said this, if the Giants, uh, obviously you'd rather be in the playoffs, win a playoff game, that's an excellent season, but... Like, if you just go back and look at it, big picture, if they were not a playoff contender, you get to the deadline last year, 
I think you're flirting with trading Saquon because you don't want to pay him. You you don't want to pay him. He's not your guy. You didn't draft him. And right. you know if you if you're trying to, you know, build the infrastructure of a a healthy team, no pun intended, as far as trying to win championships, it's not around, you know, overpaying for a, for a running back. So, yeah, I hear your point and it's a valid one about, you know, You know what though? Yeah. If what what hurts them though is sort of like, I mean, it hurts, and, you know, it's a gift and a curse. Obviously, Dabo is a big-time coach. There's no denying that. You can see that. You could clearly see that. He's a big-time coach. But they're in that situation now where they're anywhere between 7 to 10 on the wins, and they have to get another quarterback. Now, preferably, what you will want to do is be in a situation where you'll be able to get a draft quarterback, you know, you know, so you got the rookie deal, but where you're going to land in the draft, that might not be possible. So now, again, see, this is the problem. If they don't bottom out, same thing with the Yankees, bro. If you don't bottom out, it's not going to force the drastic moves that need to be made. Cashman needed to be gone four years ago. Boone, a nice guy, you can get another Boone to do the exact same thing that what Boone is doing. But when you continue to, you know, be stay, keep your neck above water, you're not going to be in the position to get the people that you need. And see, that's why Barkley, to be quite honest with you, this whole situation with him, the best thing that he can, they can do is sign him and trade him. Because if he plays, it defeats the purpose of what they're doing. You're not bringing him back next year at all. The, the bridge has been burnt. You're not bringing him back next year at all. And, and like the Cowboys, they always slip up. I mean, I don't care if they beat the Giants 10 games in a row. The, the Cowboys ain't going nowhere. So you'd be better off being behind the Cowboys than being, like, equal with them. It, it's a tough spot, yeah, man. It's, it's a tough. tough spot. It is tough. I appreciate the call, Porter. Uh, but it's it's the the situation they found themselves in because they you know this regime had to make a a decision quickly on the quarterback Jones af- after one year of seeing him, and you know to his credit under all the pressure he excelled, and now you had not just a decision to be made on him but also to to be made on the running back. So it's a tough situation, but I give them credit for how they've handled it so far. We go to Yonkers uh, quickly to talk to Robin. What's up, Robin? Hi. Um, I'm kind of nervous because it's my first call. Don't be nervous. We're just chilling, <laughs> having a good time, talking sports. What's up, okay. Robin? Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I also am upset with the Giants about the way they handled Saquon Barkley. I mean, I listen to you and a lot of other people say how he's the best player on the team. And, you know, it's like I just feel that this is how they reward him, you know. And Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley. He needs a really great player to be, you know, his counterpart there. And, you know, he's Daniel Jones, as much as I'm a huge Giant fan, he's not in the same league as Josh Allen no, or he's Patrick not. Mahomes. So, you know, for the Giants to not need a great running back, I don't know that I feel like that, you yeah. know? I, no, I understand. I appreciate the call, Robin. See, no reason to be nervous. You, you made uh, salient <laughs> points. The Giants, 
realize and are banking on last year not being the best that we're ever going to see from Daniel Jones because if he is done progressing, if he's done getting better, they're in the world of trouble. But, you know, also you could get out of the contract in two years. In the world of trouble, meaning you don't have a franchise quarterback. Uh, as far as him needing Saquon, sure, he's going to have to mature and get out of, you know, relying on one player. I'll be a game-changing player, but relying on him to reach success. But, I, I, again, I, the Giants have handled this the best way that they can. It, it, it was going to be uh, a depreciating asset. It was going to be something that was going to stymie you going forward if you – Paid Saquon the money that he was looking for. 800 919 3776. Back to your phone calls in a moment, right here on 9870 ESPN.